Welcome to another Azure centric podcast on our uh, Azure weekly updates show. My name is Marcos Nogueira and me on the same team, the red team, we have Angelos. How are you, my uh, friend? Oh, hello and thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. Um, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm tired, but I'm awesome, I have to say. It's been yeah. a very good week. A lot of uh, things happening, not only on the work, but outside of the work. Like, for example, the Inspire, that is mm. the Microsoft event for partners. Um, I did see a couple of sessions. We will have a big announcement. Not, not us, but uh, they already announced. But we will talk about the new Windows 365. Exactly. Uh, kind uh, of a game changer for absolutely. a lot of organizations. Yeah, absolutely. I think I know we've both already had clients within hours of the announcement yes. uh, talking to us about it. So it's it's a really exciting thing. Um, I'll, I'll contain my excitement for now. Absolutely. We will cover that. No worries. But the rest has been it's been an awesome week. We see a lot of a lot of updates and now mm -hmm. it makes sense because on the last episode we said it was a calm week. And usually it's calm before the storm, or it, it should really be the other is. way around. <laughs> well, a little bit, right? But yeah, you know, with Inspired, there's going to be a lot of message um, messages, updates coming out. <laughs> they're messages for us, but they're updates for everyone else. And uh, it's it's interesting, right? Because um, Microsoft does kind of quiet things down a bit. I find I think it's because um, all of the teams are working very hard towards those targets for these announcements um, that align with events like Ignite or Inspire, um, the developer conferences, all of these really good things, right? So um, yeah, it was a very exciting week. Um, what do you think our theme is uh, this week? We didn't even talk about this yet. No, we didn't. I think it's about basically VMs and and because of the 365, right? The Windows 365 yeah. is going to be very related to VMs. We have a quite a bit of updates. Um, so it's going to be a very good, a very good episode, I have to say. But with all of the news coming that the world is starting to open, do you think that we will have very soon, probably next year, um, the presence or to be present at those events i hope so uh i have to say i am a little bit holding my breath on this one um i'm really looking forward to it i know i've been working very hard so that i can uh, set aside those special dollars for flights and hotels uh in hopes that ignite will indeed ignite and uh kind of burn furiously again um, such great things to be able to come together with all of the, the technical people, but also to meet new people yeah. and uh, talk with, especially other, uh, like, you know, we'll have occasional clients and things like that that will come to attend those events um, kind of in parallel with us, right? And it's really, really fun to meet other customers. Like they'll, you know, kind of tell a friend and then they tell another friend. It's like, oh yeah, you should come down and, you know, do these events. It's how I think most people end up kind of going to their first conference yes. is kind of a friend of a friend of a friend. Oh, yeah, Bob's going, so I'm going to come along with them and we're going to have a good time. And then you learn so many things and you meet all these awesome people. And that's where, um, you know, let's be honest, right? So that's a little bit where I also had my eyes opened 
was at some of these different conferences, right? And you learn that there's other people that might think similar to how you do. And it's like, ah, you know what? Uh, I could take the way I'm thinking about this and kind of add this new vision to it and really accelerate your own programs with with your organization or, you know, stuff you're working on. Um, so it's really exciting. Uh, yeah, clearly I get a little bit uh, excited about talking about it even. No worries. But yeah, uh, I think we will have that big news announcement uh, probably uh, later this year. Let's see. We will be here uh, I'm to comment so on those. looking forward to that. Yes. But before we're moving on, we want to start um, in this case or continuing this uh, to thank you uh, that you are special over here, that you are listening, uh, that you are seeing, uh, that you are communicating with us. So uh, we have a request for you guys. Uh, if you are new to the channel, please, please, please subscribe. If you are already new to the channel but you didn't subscribe before, don't forget to hit that that button of subscribe. Hit the, the bell um, just to get notifications to, to get this. We are preparing a lot of good content uh, is coming up um, with a lot of good news, with more excitement uh, regarding the concepts that we start launching over here. I got a message another day say, why did you stop the concepts? They were they were good. Uh, for us to understand <laughs> what it is, everything besides every every week that you're talking about and and the demos and everything else, don't forget to uh, follow Mr. Andrew Lowe's on Azure Tracks as well um, or Azure Track. Um, uh, but yeah, um, just a big thank you, a shout out for you guys to helping supporting. And uh, if you like it, uh, don't forget to smash. But really smash that like button. But maybe do it twice because then turn on the bell so that you get an alert yes. when we release our new videos. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's see that. Um, but I think it's time for us to roll and to start because we have a pretty good agenda to go over. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's going to be a fantastic episode. Absolutely. So let's roll. So welcome back and the new update or the first update, it's about the HPC cache on E-Series VMs support for Blob NFS 3.0. It's now in generally available. So it becomes GA, all of these uh, Azure, uh, not Azure, but the high performance computing cache for the ECs for the E-series VMs, so it's good to know that now uh, you can you can have all of the part of the, the the cache on the HPC. So what it does this in this case, especially for uh, uh, blobs that they are NFS, is you are you have the ability you have the ability to just cache those. And now you have sub millisecond latency, okay, for your users, in this case, on 
a client scalability. So it means that all of your nodes, okay, they can respond to a lot of those requests and with the sub millisecond latency, which is so, which is what you want when you are doing this <laughs> high performance computing, right? Yes, high performance computing at scale um, yeah. as well, right? Because this is about um, nodes talking to each other within the cluster for um, high performance and less than one millisecond, sub millisecond latency. <laughs> How do you describe that? It's lightning fast, right? Yeah, it's like Lightning McQueen fast. <laughs> and the good thing about this is with this high true output and low latency machines can be used even for more performance at lower costs because these machines the e-series they are not very expensive to be very honest um, and then you can have even higher performance right with lower costs and that's that's the good thing about about these um, about this update, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it's really geared for things like um, medical usage, yeah. um, analysis of um, things for science, uh, and, media rendering, I think, as well. Absolutely. And and that is, is, is the awesome segue for the kind of related same update that mm -hmm. is the general availability of the APC cache, again, for mm -hmm. NMVE-based uh, storage, storage targets, and IPA compliance. So now you can have all of those types of, uh, of things that we're talking about with read-only support for NM NVME, uh, mm -hmm. in this case, base queue. So if you have your virtual machine right now, you can use those fast uh, disks, right? Those fast type of disks just for the read-only, uh, to be able to cache that and just to read nothing more to even become more faster. So things like 4.5 gigabytes per second, 9 gigabytes per second, and 16 gigabytes per second is available now from three different SKUs. Yeah, that's pretty crazy uh, for that cache throughput, right? Yeah, um, I mean... 16 gigs per second. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> clearly meant for large scale uh, processing of large files, uh, media encoding, all that kind of stuff yeah. that's really or, very heavy overhead, or right? If you are really, really, really nervous when your Netflix kind of flicks a little bit, because 16 gigs per second allows you to have your movie, entire movie, in one second. So, uh, yeah, that's or a couple true. of movies in one second. Uh, so it's not bad. Um, at least it's everything is in cash, and now it's up to you to just seeing that insanely fast. But for example, exactly, right? yeah. And there was a couple other um, kind of underneath this in um, this update. They kind of tucked in a whole bunch of points about other updates that they've snuck in alongside this for July, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to kind of jump right down to the very bottom because there was one I saw that interested me a little bit about the customer managed keys. Um, that's something that uh, I deal with pretty frequently with my government clients because they have to use uh, managed keys, uh, their own managed keys when they're on public cloud like Azure. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, now we can have user assigned identity and default auto key rotation. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a great uh, great step forwards as well. It is for me in this case one the, the ones that I, I did catch my eye because I did experience this in in the past. It's the matrix per storage target. Mm. So because you have different types of storage, right? Um, now you can have matrix for that because now. The good thing about having all of that power is for you, for example, uh, tear down or tear up, in this case, your cache. Because right here, like, like we mentioned, we have 5.6 gigabytes per second, 9 and 16. So means that I can have different targets for different types of, of, of workloads that I want to get more of that performance. So that part associated with that matrix per storage target is going to influence a lot the design of your solution for that and that's that's the part that i like about about this this update right because mm -hmm. it allows you to do that there is a lot of other things towards going towards to the zero trust model with the network isolation uh, that you have it the multiple ips Per now, NFS per storage. NFS so target, now right? you yeah, can huge. have Yes, you can have storage dedicated from your own uh, micro-segmentation on your, on your um, network. Uh, so you don't need to replicate these across multiple uh, segments. Uh, you can attach these very easily uh, to, the, to the storage and to the networking. So all of those type of things are, are really important. But like you mentioned... We cannot go over here and talk about this, but for weeks, right? That's the idea. <laughs> this is just an update. It's not the drill down on this. <laughs> on well, this. we should we should save our excitement because we know that we have the that oh, yeah. big one coming up. Yes. Uh, so we have to, we have to set some time aside for that because yes. we know we're going to talk. Absolutely. <laughs> so the next one, uh, it's the Azure Bastion uh, Standard SKU. It's now in public preview. Mm -hmm. So this is pretty cool. Okay. So Azure Bastion is been one of the services that I've been using a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's been improving because at the beginning, if you remember when this was launched, it was a crazy idea. But it was lacking. Okay. It was a crazy, insanely good idea. But it was lacking a lot of the ways that we want to implement. Because yeah, usually... It was we, it was like a version one, right? Yes, yeah. a version one. So you have to implement this service one per VNet because it was only available for VNet. Right now, you can cross these multiple VNets. So that you was can, a huge advancement like huge not that long ago, right? Like maybe a month or something, yeah. Yeah, and now uh, they're coming with different SKUs because now you can have uh, multiple instances, right, for manual scaling the VMs that you are connecting. Because you have to remember, Azure Bastion Host is nothing more than your jump server yeah. available on HTTPS for you, for you to connect. So if you yeah. have multiple people coming or multiple persons or individuals coming to the Azure Bastion server to connect to that VM, right? Mm -hmm. You are consuming those resources. 
right? Right. Yeah. And so, it's like a regular uh, kind of a Windows server as a jump host, right? So you can have two concurrent sessions for remote users, and then you have to scale up or add like RDP licenses, things like that. Absolutely. And that's that's how, that's exactly how I talk to my customers about this is Azure Bastion is really positive, but it when you think about do we build our own jump host or do we use Azure Bastion? I always ask the question, do you want to build an administrator VPN different than our user VPN? And do you want to maintain that separate infrastructure with all of that cost overhead management on all of those things, plus monitoring? And then, of course, we have to also convince the security team it's a good idea somehow. And then you can use Azure Bastion, which already has all of those things wrapped up and you access it through your browser using HTTPS, use a secure RDP session over HTTPS again. Uh, I don't know. I just think to myself, there's a lot less work for me to do. Um, and as much as I would love to charge everybody by the hour to set up all of those things for their administrative jump host, Azure Bastion's pre-canned. It's ready to use. We just have to deploy, do some light configuration. And again, uh, you know, when they released Azure Bastion, um, I think you know everybody. I think will agree mostly that uh, it was a light service at first. Let's call it lightweight, maybe like a beta kind of a thing. It was just out. And it was a cool idea, but it was missing some good features. And I have to be honest, I've actually been using it a lot more and I've been talking about it a lot more with my customers now that we can do multiple VNets because uh, now it's become more logical to do it, right? Because uh, it's easier to use. And I really love the concurrent SSH sessions. Um, that doesn't sound like something I would use, but I actually do use SSH um, a fair bit to jump into uh, Linux and Ubuntu hosts on Azure um, because, well, we can't use RDP on those hosts, right? So it's a lot nicer to be able to go through Bastion and manage those connections uh, because it keeps it more secure uh, for everybody as well. But it also means that the customer can audit when I'm accessing things a little better. And I, re I really like to kind of like lead by example with that and show them like, no, you, because as you know, uh, even myself, like on occasion, I will uh, not too openly admit, but I will admit that sometimes I can resist those kinds of changes. So if we're trying to move a set of administrators from a jump host to using Azure Bastion service, um, the best way to show them that it's easy to use and it works is to show them by doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it's a, it's a, a a wonderful service. It's another service that you can have to uh, emergencies and all of that that you need to connect from outside, absolutely, uh, or even to have access to uh, someone else that needs to have. It's it's really good and really simple to do it. I could not agree more. Um, I could not agree more on that. But moving to the next one, it's the general availability of Azure Automation Cluster Management Keys, like you mentioned, okay? I think this is this is great that now, uh, in this case, the, the Azure Customer Management Keys is supported the integration with, finally, the Azure Key Vault. Um, so 
the Azure Care Vault is the way that you can have the Azure automation, uh, not automation, the, the Azure keys or the, or the environment keys. I think is that, that the name? Uh, yep. The environment keys. And now you can bring on Azure automation, right? Your customer keys because Azure automation is not only for Azure. You can you can extrapolate or you can basically go into your on-prem with Azure Automation as well. Um, Absolutely. And having the possibility of integrating those keys with Azure Key Vault, it's huge when you want to leverage even more the uh, the, the part of the Azure Automation, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And then, um, you know, we've been seeing more and more integration into Azure Key Vault um, with different features, different services, I guess, let's say. Um, so being able to use customer managed keys for Azure automation, that's really big uh, because like you said, a lot of the automation functions now are actually reaching back throughout hybrid environments, uh, multi-cloud and back to on-premises as well. And it's really important because uh, customers might have security requirements. Um, and certainly we, we want to make sure that we're not using the same set of keys across environments. Yes. Uh, oh my God, if you are, please stop that immediately, like right now, and add additional uh, sets and pairs so that uh, you're using unique keys for each environment. Um, it's easy to integrate with Azure Key Vault. And uh, please, yes, do that and do it today. <laughs> do it right now. I created my a little panic in my own self there. Yeah. <laughs> for a moment. I just thought of that. Oh my God, what if somebody is using the same keys across like AWS and Azure? Oh my God, don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, everybody. I, was, That's okay. I apologize That's okay. for creating and being the excitement for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you are you are releasing the, the fireworks and, 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 and grabbing at the same time, right? Well, a little bit, right? I was holding on to it, and I really shouldn't have been. <laughs> ah, my fingers. <laughs> That's okay. Moving to the next one, and again, this is all coming from from the uh, inspired and all of that, which is really awesome. Is the disk uh, pool for Azure VM solution now in public preview? So you guys think, but. Why are you so excited with this? Why <laughs> this pool is so important for your uh, AVS, the Azure VMware solution, that is public preview. This is huge. It's massive. So, um, you know, I, uh, we've talked in some previous episodes, let's say a few months ago, um, over the winter, and it's so hot and smoky uh, here in Alberta lately that I'm kind of thinking fondly of winter again, <laughs> a little bit. Of me now. But um, that said, uh, this brings iSCSI availability for endpoints uh, into uh, AVS or Azure VMware solution. And this is huge. So this is a very big step. It means that we now have, if we have an application that is uh, uses iSCSI for storage, um, and that happens a lot more than um, you know we might think initially, right? So, a lot of backend storage applications uh, that's using like tiered storage uses iSCSI references in the application architecture or the API calls even in there. And if they have a custom application uh, that you're running in uh, your shop, 
and you're using those uh, iSCSI references, um, this now opens the possibility of a way to do some lift and shift into AVS and get out of your on-premises data centers, right? So it, it adds the, the ability for scaling um, because, uh, you know, we just add servers, we extend our pool, we add actual, like it's when we do that in AVS, we're actually adding a physical host. We do it by clicking a button, but the backend infrastructure is actually like all these little elves running into the Azure data center. <laughs> and yes, the winter references, I know, right? So, but those elves, they go, they're plugging in the server, they do a full format and provision to make sure that everything is secure and fresh. So it updates the firmware, updates the software, it loads uh, ESXi on that uh, node and then joins it to your cluster. So, you know, there's quite a lot uh, for them to do and, you know, they're running around plugging in all the wires and, uh, you know, about uh, 30 minutes to 120 minutes, kind of give or take, depending on what you're doing and what you're provisioning, um, you now have another node on your ESXi cluster, right? So you can really, like, there's a lot of easy scaling in AVS and a lot of applications, a lot of customers were kind of holding back that lift and shift step to get into Azure and just, okay, let's try Azure as public cloud and see if we can do it because they were really tied to the on-prem uh, VMware solutions, right? Yeah. So this this is, uh, I apologize for kind of chatting a bit about it, but it's a huge, huge announcement. Yeah. And um, I really wish they'd put like gold stars on some of these sometimes. <laughs> I have to be honest. The, the part that I like about this is now that this part of the disk pools is where you can have those disks inside of your uh, Azure, uh, not Azure, the VMware storage, right? Mm -hmm. So usually on the VMware storage, we create those disks, those pools that we can use. Sometimes for those um, storage intensive workloads, like for example, that you have a file share or something like that, that you want to use it, or even sometimes from disaster recovery. Because like you said, through iSCSI, I'm able to replicate that without any issues using these disk pools. So if that is available to my VMware solution, okay, means that I can use it as a normal disk pool and be able to do it whatever I want to do it. So if I want to replicate a VM and it's available to that specific data store, here you go. Your data store right now, it's on Azure, on AVS, so even from on-prem, you will be able to see it because it's going to be available on your vCenter, that data store. And that's Absolutely. the part that I like it because it really becomes a hybrid solution even on the block level of the storage from your on-prem and to, to the cloud, in this case, to the using the AVS um, and, and all of that, which is awesome. That's why... That's why I say that is very big in this case because it really extends that. Uh, you don't need, there are a lot of customers that I've been working with that they are not, for example, because they have all of the knowledge built in and all of that uh, investment on, on the VMware solution that they prefer using their native disaster recovery tools. Then for example, going uh, back and forth with 
not back and forth, but using, for example, the Azure Migrate. Because the difference between this and Azure Migrate is that on Azure Migrate, you are converting a VMware, uh, in this case, VM, to an Hyper-V one, because that's what's running on Azure. In this case, you are not transforming anything. Uh, you are not changing, you are not processing, you are not doing. You basically have a disaster recovery and bang, you can bring in back almost uh, 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 very easily uh, from AVS to on-prem, on-prem to AVS, moving back and forth. Those data stores uh, or be able to have disk pools associated with those data stores, it will what makes a huge difference. Although this is in preview, so please it don't is. use this in production yet. Okay, uh, that is the only thing, the only caveat that we have for for um, this update. Absolutely, yeah. And chances are we don't have a lot of uh, AVS deployments for non-production. Um, it's not that it's overly expensive. I'm just going to say it's not cheap. Um, so uh, it would be unlikely to see non-prod environments, although it may happen. Um, certainly it's worth deploying a non-prod to do testing, yeah. uh, in this case for the iSCSI, right? Uh, those disk pools, such powerful you can, things. You, you, so to re reinforce that, it's not like using production is don't use production workloads on those disk pools, okay, yeah. inside of your data store. So exactly. you can test it as a, as a workload, for example, for DR uh, or something like that. But those workloads should not be uh, a production. Yeah, workloads. we wouldn't put a production application Absolutely. that uh, maybe is pushed through to support uh, our customers or something like end customers. Right? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and thank you for bringing that up because I think it's it's a valid, a very good valid point that we need to to bring that up. Moving to the next next update is the GA of the new Azure Monitor built-in policy for Log Analytics Workspace and Linkit Automation Account. We already talked about this uh, uh, on another episode, right? To be able to have the new built-in of Azure Monitor policy uh, for, for the Log Analytics Workspace and linking to this to the automation. So now becomes GA. So now becomes that we can now bring those um, uh, online, uh, bring those uh, to the production environment and now be able to do it. So the policy, what it does is opens up a little bit more what you can do in regarding your governance. So now on the new Azure built-in, Okay, monitor built-in um, policy. You are able to see what you are linking or linking, in this case, an automation account to a, a, a log analytic workspace and vice versa and be able to kind of assigning on the policy resource groups, automation accounts, uh, log analytic workspace and, and, and linking, in this case, some existing automation accounts which is pretty awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't know you were passing it uh, back <laughs> over there. <laughs> I was over to listening. you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> we need one of those little things that, uh, and over to the weather guy here. Yeah. <laughs> and now, <laughs> Sorry, back but to yes. Andrew. 
yeah, so the built-in policy is really good. Um, and it's going to really help uh, kind of that, uh, you know, as we do that workspace deployment um, with environments, you know, things are really becoming a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, portable, right? So uh, this is going to be a, a great big support for that. And it gives a lot of control to provision the log analytics workspace and the automation accounts across uh, the subscriptions consistently, yes. right? So we can do this. It's now repeatable, right? Yeah. And that's the part that is that is the best way to 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 achieve this, and that's why so important these these updates. So now we can start creating that repeated process uh, of validation, and because it's Azure policy, you can always uh, going on in first mode. So means that when you're deploying those type of resources, the policy becomes effective. When you're creating a new, for example, a new, uh, a, a new log analytics, um, log analytics workspace, to uh, attach that to a, and or link it to an existing um, automation account, or just be able to just on audit mode to give a report to see what deviates from what you want in this case, right? That's that's really the key the key point. Another good update, uh, talking about monitoring, is the public preview of the new application insights standard testing for synthetic monitoring. This is something that I, I would love to have it um, long time ago. Okay, right. The new way to just doing synthetic monitoring. I think it's worthwhile to just exploring what is that synthetic monitoring uh, uh, look like or, or what it is, okay? Do you want to do the honors or do you want me to do the honors? Back to you. Oh, you Andrew. go, you, <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that one back to you and say, uh, let's, let's hear a little bit about um, kind of the roots of synthetic monitoring okay. and why this is kind of coming about. So there's been some other announcements about Azure VMs that kind of tie back to this when it, uh, we talk about kind of baseline ping testing and uh, kind of those simple, is it up or is it reachable kind of a test like ICMP pings, right? So synthetic monitoring, it's basically when you're going deep on your application, okay? So usually you have the monitoring, like you said, like lights on, lights off, it's available or not available. It's pingable or not pingable. Uh, that sometimes doesn't doesn't notify or doesn't give give you in this case uh, what you need to to know regarding application. Because, for example, if you have a website that you are going there and you see that website is it's it's on, there could be a website that in this case uh, you are uh, querying, um, let's say the load balancer. So yes, their website is up. I can I can ping the IP and everything else, but when you're going to down to the application and starting to see that you are doing some synthetic transactions, mean that you are going down on the application and probably logging in or doing some type of those transactions like low level transactions that you are already on the application. That's where you're getting if your application it's available or not okay a lot of those applications even if you're going but you think but what about if i'm monitoring for example my h and if it's a web application 
like I mentioned, uh, what about if I'm monitoring my HTTP status, right? Um, that HTTP status, it's, it's probably uh, uh, coming from other things that can happen. Could be a load balancer, could be something that, that it is on your, on your site, right? That is, is returning that, that request to you. But it doesn't know if, for example, if your uh, uh, application or your uh, database is on or if it's available. Only through those synthetic monitoring you will able to see it. So the, the ability to have inside of application insights the standard testing, you saying to the application insights, you need to do this regarding your application is the best way to do it, right? Because now you are available to do that. And apparently you've been shrinked. Uh, I have been uh, going to the head shrinker again here. Apparently that's okay. But yeah, so I really like your description on that, by the way. I just want to say that. Thank you. Because um, I think a lot of monitoring, um, you know, when we think of an enterprise environment, they might have maybe a couple of people dedicated to uh, working on monitoring. So that makes it a little bit easy. That's scary looking when it's so small there. Goodness gracious. <laughs> but but um, for smaller shops, um, monitoring can be a bit more of a challenge, right? So we think about what do we get up day one? Well, we have the lights on, lights off monitoring, right? But like you said, on the example of a website, we have to think about more than just is it on or off? We have to think about what was the status return? Do we get like a, what is it, like a 506 or something like that? Is like status okay? I'm trying to remember, I should know better. But um, like you look for the okay status or you look for like an error, you know, does it contain a 404, for example, right? Like that's going to be bad uh, if you're looking at the homepage of a corporate website, um, because even though there's caching and, you know, load balancers are quite advanced now, um, it doesn't mean that if you go and you click on the login button and then you're creating like a live, like an ASP session or something like that, all of a sudden you find out, oh, crumb, the IIS servers are down in the back end. What happened? Oh, okay, they updated. And for some reason, they're both in the same group and they're rebooting at the same time. Yeah, so you're going to want to have your monitoring alert you to that and you're going to want to make sure that you fix that, right? So that's really... Absolutely. At the end of the day, what monitoring is for, um, hopefully we find out before uh, that actually impacts production. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then we'll help you to a lot of things like get the false select, go the, the false positives, right? Mm. Be able yeah. to react on an SSL check um, is something like that. So uh, you can, uh, with this update, you can... Um, set a period of time before the certificate expires, for example, to get an alert to doing that. So you are doing those synthetic transactions to see, to just doing, okay, alert me. Uh, because a lot of times, if you are not um, uh, very organized, I have to say, um, and depending on, on the, your application, depending, if you have a specific certificate, for example, talking about certificates um, that you have, uh, if you have a lot of those certificates that they basically they are um, 
to your application or dedicated to your application, right? Um, it's really difficult to manage all of that. And now with this, you can set up a test to just, okay, validate my certificate. Instead of validating only if I have a certificate or not, or if the certificate is valid, just query um, what is the validation of my certificate. Because that is a synthetic money. That's a, a synthetic transaction. You are just going more, right, than is available. Do I have HTTPS? Do I get certificate? Is my certificate valid? Um, just that, right? You can now query, for example, when is your expiration date? Because that's public information. That's what it is. Um, synthetic transactions like querying database to see if you get the response or not. Uh, be able to log in uh, to some of those um, some of those um, uh, uh, applications that you need to do it so you really get the monitoring out of it, right? That's the benefit. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, it's about those deep dives uh, going in and making sure that uh, you're monitoring more than yeah. just is it turned on. Absolutely. And keep continuing talking about application insights. Now in public preview uh, or in preview, it's the Azure AD authentication for application insights. It's it's coming. Um, it was way needed, I have to say, uh, to be able to use Azure AD authentication for application insights is tremendously. Uh, yeah, it's big because we were restricted to local uh, local accounts only. Local I, accounts right? Only. Yeah. Yeah. So now I can use manage, and with that is coming the manage identities that is is tremendously. So now yeah. I can I can opt out for local authentication to to assure that I have the telemetry that I wanted, and exclusively only using either manage entities and Azure Active Directory. So that is, is, is tremendously. I don't need to uh, remove or add anything else. I'm just going to alert, allow scaling, all of that to being critical. And now the Azure authentication um, for application insights is tremendously, I have to say. Absolutely, yeah. App Insights is a hugely helpful tool. And uh, it honestly, it's like it, it's exactly like it says. It gives very deep insights of applications, and uh, it can really help in not just troubleshooting, but um, supporting the application, right? Finding those challenges before they impact everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the uh, excitements that we have, mm. it's in development, okay? That Microsoft announced that for on-premise Windows Server, and SQL servers, okay, that they have Windows 2012 and 2012 R2 because they coming, the end of support is coming for those and SQL yeah. Server 2012 and the end of support for SQL, for example, is July uh, 12, 2022. So basically from one year now. Mm -hmm. And um, in this case, this server it's on October 2023. Uh, they are extended, right? They will extend those. Um, uh, they will extend those uh, and it's going to be free uh, extended uh, for 
machines that they are running on Azure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly so this the is same very... way that they did it with 2008. I was about to say the same thing, I exactly, that right? And that really you, helped a lot of people out there, right? Um, like a lot of organizations that kind of, let's say, bailed them out a little bit uh, because they waited too long to build migration plans off of um, vertical apps or legacy apps. Uh, and in many cases, and I want to say this about um, Windows and SQL Server 2008, <laughs> what can I say? So we know all the deal around Windows Server 2008, 2008 R2, but it's the same bundle of complications for many customers with SQL Server 2008 and 2008 R2, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of applications, enterprise applications, like big banking applications that are built on SQL 2008 technologies. And there's like no surprise, nobody wants to pay to rebuild, refactor, all those things, right? And uh, it's a lot of work. And in many cases, it means that they might have to start from scratch with new technology. So um, yes, uh, it's absolutely logical that everybody kind of, let's say, drags the feet, uh, takes their time to do those uh, plans and you know rebuild or migrate off of uh, SQL 2008 technologies. But this is kind of the shot across the bow, right? This is the warning shot. Hey, we've been talking about it. We've been talking about it for a while. It's going to happen. We're going to say no more support at some point. Yeah. And now this is the this is the kind of that final warning shot. Move to Azure with it, or it's not supported, yeah. right? And they they even do even more because they did that on two thousand and eight. That was the end of support was beginning of last year if i'm not mistaken beginning of 2020 i think it was mm -hmm. january 2020 and they said that if you move your workload uh 2008 uh, in this case windows server 2008 2008 r2 and sql server 2008 2008 r2 you have an extended three years yes. so it will uh finish in this case the support on january 10 2023 but with this announcement that they are saying is, yes, even if you are not able to, until 2023, in this case, January 2023, be able to migrate or modernize your workload, if you are staying on Azure, I, Microsoft will give you an additional one year, okay, extended of those security updates, uh, but only for Azure. So mm -hmm. uh, this is like you, uh, theoretically, you have until January 2024 to be able to migrate and modernize those workloads that you already have in 2008, 2008 R2. In this case, for 2012, they are doing about the same. They are doing the extension of a free extended security update because usually this was paid. This was yeah. for the big corporations that they were paying to get those extended security updates. Otherwise, right. yeah. you had the, to normal, buy that package. the normal yeah. Bob, like me and you, sorry, uh, if you don't want to pay, you need to upgrade. Exactly. Right? So this is very interesting that they are announcing announcing to that. And, and that's where, where it's very good to be on the cloud because now... Apparently, 
they are listening, they are listening to the requests, and they are doing that for free. Uh, although they, they, you need to be on Azure to get those, okay? So I want I want to say one thing here. So it's good to be in cloud computing with Microsoft because yes. not only do they extend support for things like this, but they actually listen to all of the feedback and not just from the big guys, right? So they listen to regular companies, regular people, and uh, that's the one thing I have to say I do love about the Microsoft ecosystem is the product managers are reachable. They're on Twitter, they're on Facebook, like all the things, right? Uh, there's probably more social media than that, but I'm an old guy now, so I just, uh, yeah, I know Twitter, so that's good. <laughs> but yeah. but they're, they are reachable, um, honestly, right? And they actually listen um, to a lot of the customer's feedback and sometimes even individuals, just regular folks like you and I, um, and we can reach out and, uh, you know, leave a comment and, you know, they take it to heart. Um, those are their products and they care at the end of the day. But that said, I wanted but to it, kind of, I wanted, it, it, I wanted but, but let me, let me stop you for a moment is, it's not even that you bring a very good point that all of those big guys bring that. But I think the huge benefit of all of this is for the small ones, because, yeah. because of the small, because of the big guys. The small ones now, they can benefit from that. They don't have the same power. They don't have the same contracts. They don't have everything. But now the regular Bob like me and you, we now can can use this free extended if we really need that time, right? So if we really need an extra year uh, to be able to modernize because especially with this pandemic, with all of that, we we didn't have uh, the possibility of growing like we supposed to two years back or what absolutely. was planet. Well, now budgets we have, have been impacted, right? So yes, absolutely. So now we have more time to prepare that migration, to prepare that modernization, right? So that's a very good point to bring it up. So thank you. That's perfect because that's exactly what I wanted to say. Um, but that's a good segue. So let's use that. So cloud computing is pretty good. Is there anything you can think of on your mind that you'd like to talk about, about uh, maybe cloud computing? I, I will let you do the honors. Okay, let's, let's, let's roll. Uh, not roll again the intro, intro video, but I wish I have a button over here uh, to just doing the, the honors. So I will let you do it because you are a guest. You are a pretty good guy, and I think you deserve it. You can go. We do all right together, I think. Yeah, we work hard together. So. I, I, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's do it. So welcome to Windows 365 Cloud PC Cloud Computing for everybody. Available August 2nd. Very exciting. And I have to be honest, uh, not only some of my customers, but even myself, I'm very impatient. I want to know uh, all about it. Uh, there's lots of information available already though. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what is first, I think Windows 365, um, kind of right ahead of that big announcement this week, there was so much speculation. What's it going to be, you know, what is it? And um, earlier, you and I chatted about this uh, a little bit, of course, right, Marcos? Yeah. But um, I think the best way to explain this is this is a Windows desktop that's available to anybody who has something in Microsoft Office 365. 
And I'm being specific about saying it both ways there. Microsoft 365 being the new branding, Office 365, the old branding, but how still many of our customers refer to it. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to include everybody <laughs> on that one. But this, there's some cool features, like, darn it, this is really cool stuff, I got to be honest. It is. Uh, it, it is the cloud, like, like you see on the title, is the Windows 365 Cloud PC. So this yeah. is nothing more than uh, the way that Microsoft is saying that we don't care which uh, device are you connecting to. Here is your Windows PC. Here is your yeah. Windows PC running on the cloud. Uh, this is, I have to say, that uh, when I when I got the announcement, right? When I see the announcement, I say, but wait a minute. We already have this. Uh, we already have the Windows Virtual Desktop. Uh, they are renaming this. Uh, mm -hmm. So first and the foremost is the Windows Virtual Desktop uh, is being renamed to Azure Virtual Desktop. Yeah. Okay. So to be very clear with all of our, our listeners and the and you that are listening, yes, the Windows uh, Virtual Desktop is being renamed to Azure Virtual Desktop, which makes totally sense, right? But mm -hmm. this Windows 365 Cloud PC as you mentioned really well with the Microsoft 365 cloud services, is a SaaS solution. is a complete software as a service solution. So this means that when you enable this, you will have access to your uh, desktop, to, your, to a computer, right? With different types of, um, different types of ways that you can do, that you can do it. You can do it for uh, a simple, in this case, kind of uh, office or a little bit more if you need a little bit more compute power. But basically, is a software as a service. So different SKUs that you have, uh, you have the same deployment is going to be your uh, Windows on the cloud. And that's totally different from the Azure Virtual Desktop. Because on Azure Virtual Desktop, you need to manage the infrastructure. You need yes. to deploy the infrastructure. And then you have all the flexibility of, for, for example, and now we are on a speculation mode because this is only available right now. The public information is on Azure Virtual Desktop, you can bring your own licenses. In this case, yes. it's going to be a software as a service, very close what you have on Microsoft 365. So it's mm -hmm. going to be probably a, a public SKU uh, that you're paying monthly, that you can pay whatever it is. I don't know if that's going to be included on the Microsoft 365 or not. Uh, we don't have that information. Well, we have to wait until they announce it. And believe us, uh, we tried digging to find something somewhere on Reddit or yeah. anywhere that somebody leaked it and we could say it was on us. But uh, there was nothing to be had. Good job, Microsoft, by the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's 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 a new a new way, right? Because now, imagine I, I can. All the all the all the devices right now they are almost connected. So, iPads yeah. of the world, 
uh, uh, iPhones, Androids, tablets, whatever it is that you have it, now becomes your your access to well yeah so to do so i watched the microsoft mechanics um demo that they had uh uploaded to youtube on this yeah and uh i know that that's more kind of like just excitement consumer driven uh, kind of announcement I, i i acknowledge that but i thought they actually did a fantastic job of showing um, like the flexibility of this new solution coming out with Windows 365, right? So he's standing there and he has like his laptop and then he brings up the desktop on his phone and then he brings up the desktop on his iPad. And it's like, you know, how do we travel? We travel with our uh, our our laptop, probably an iPad or something for reading and of course your cell phone. And now because it's so portable, it's all cloud-based, all you need is a browser and you now can access this remote desktop. And of course, we will uh, definitely follow up on this. Uh, we know that it's not really an Azure kind of an announcement, but this one is so relevant because um, imagine the ease of provisioning a whole desktop for the user. Hey, I'm gonna be uh, working from the beach in Costa Rica. I'm dreaming, of course, uh, but uh, I'm gonna be there for a month or something. Um, can you just give me a remote desktop to work off of for uh, for that time? No problem. We add the SKU in 365, and there you go. <laughs> it's not only that, my friend. Let me extrapolate a little bit, and let's let's evaluate this. How we affect this, me and you? Okay. Okay. So I have a laptop that I had to build. I have to pay top dollars because it's a 64 gig laptop, right? A lot of CPU, a lot of a lot of storage because we are traveling from customer to customer. Right? That laptop is heavy. That laptop is a beefy machine. Okay. It is. Um contains a lot of data that usually with all the service that we have with OneDrive and everything else, everything is synchronized to the cloud. But I need to connect to my laptop to a wireless network or whatever it is to connect to Azure, to doing all of that because all of my services on Azure, right? Now imagine the simple way of, instead of carrying this guy, this guy that is about three or four pounds or whatever it is, uh, I don't know, I'm just exaggerating. Now you have a simple tablet, a simple iPad, okay? Um, for example, or any tablet that you want that is probably half a pound, okay? Um, something like that, or one pound, or whatever it is, so light that you can carry on anything that you want, right? Mm-hmm. And internet is there because you have on this laptop. I don't have, for example, LTE. Uh, right now, on 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 the on the iPad or any other tablet, you can have LTE enabled. Even a Surface mm-hmm. Go, for example, uh, you can have yep. that. You Put don't need Windows. You, you don't need anything special. You just need the icon there. You just double-click on icon. You are on your desktop. You are connected to your network securely, okay, on a secure way, completely secure way. When you double-click, automatically starts the VM to connect you, okay, starts doing. And now you have everything secured, okay, without doing where you are not concerned about, oh, what about if I'm connecting to this wireless what about if I'm connecting on on the 
on the public wireless and all of that, because there are a lot of restrictions when you're going on that way on a different mm -hmm. contract, as you know. Absolutely. Especially if you are on the government, they there are a lot of institutions and organizations that you cannot go, for example, on a Starbucks of life and connecting to the to the public Wi-Fi. They don't allow right. it. So you need to go on the VPN and need to do and all of that is nothing more than layers of layers of layers that you need to manage. You need to provide security. You need to provide all of that. This will change dramatically how the users will connect, how simplified it is, how secure you can do it, okay? And how scalable you can do it. Because now, this is a Windows that you don't care if it's, you only care if the performance, like, Oh, what is the underlying? So, yeah, I so let's say, let's say it this way, care. right? So let's let's oversimplify it. Completely. And I agree. So let's, um, you know, it's it's how we, we kind of explain things between the two of us. I think you're right. So if I have, uh, okay, I'm in a, I'm in a really um, oversimplified the hardware, okay? So forgive me, everybody. So I'm going to say, let's say I'm using an iPad. I have one core for my processor, maybe two. I have like, what, 3.5 gigs of RAM on a standard iPad or something like that. And maybe 256 gigs of storage locally. Now, we all know when it comes to Windows 10, Windows 11, that's not going to run much of a fancy computer and you're not gonna wanna do a whole lot. And you're not gonna be able to install things like Adobe apps and do picture editing, things like that, right? So it won't be supported. Now, what you can do is open Windows 365 desktop, open your cloud desktop PC, and you could have four cores, you could have 16 gigs of RAM, and maybe you have 512 uh, gigs of storage on that computer. Like, we don't know what the SKUs are going to be yet, but uh, let's say you have something a little more uh, powerful like that, right? So now you can run this four core, 16 gig, more storage locally available, cloud synced, 10 gig backbone uh, PC off of your iPad with LTE from uh, uh, the Starbucks or something, because now it is secure, right? So I really loved what you were saying. And the one thing I, I, I was trying to kind of steer away from it a little bit, but maybe let's do like honorable mention is, um, all the provisioning is tied to your login, right? So uh, at the enterprise level, so for bigger companies and even smaller companies, I, I wanna say that too, because um, I, I've been working with some smaller customers and they're really taking advantage of things like MEM with Intune. And uh, it doesn't mean that we have to go deep dive. It doesn't mean that you know the organization has to have big provisioning ideas and uh, execution here. It just means that you enroll the device because now you can deploy easily things like Defender for Endpoint, right? And uh, all of those things we can do with uh, tying to a user identity, a logon. And now that's possible with the the scalability uh, and let's say the portability. So the nice thing about um, virtual desktops for end users is when something doesn't work right, 
we just get rid of it and we reprovision it. Um, and that will not be more true <laughs> than I think it will be with Windows 365. So like, yeah, I have a software malfunction of some kind, something's all kind of messed up. Just delete it, reprovision it. And um, as they say, Bob's your uncle and you get the clean start, right? And, and it's, not, it's not only that, it will transform the entire enterprise world. On, oh, this, it's, on, it's on this way that like every single organization and we've been on that is like they need to provision for security purpose uh, <laughs> waiting a for the device, laptop right? oh my gosh waiting for, yes. and your laptop broken and you are three or four days or well, depending on where you are three or four or five days uh basically without work not without oh. work not working because, Do you remember the contract we were working on yeah. where uh, I think my laptop broke Yeah. Uh, and I, I was away. So I had to wait. I had to um, yeah. I just limited access email and phone calls basically for like a week, fly down, go to their little um, help desk yeah. uh, kind of place. And they swapped out my laptop and that was like an all day event um, yeah. physically in person as well. Right. So, so what what does this mean? And for it's that not only that; it's 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 the cost because every single one, right, have have a, a tablet, okay, and it, the tablet the cost of a tablet right now is coming down. You can buy like for four hundred dollars or five hundred dollars a simple iPad, right? Compared with a laptop that costs like three or four times more. Yeah. Right. And and now it's like everyone have it. Everyone have a, a device. And usually, uh, a lot of organizations, for example, and even regarding phones, let's go on this path. For a, let's explore this for a, for a moment. Okay. There are organizations that they are not providing any more phones to the users because the users doesn't want to carry two phones, yeah. one personal and one uh, uh, and one um, one for for the work, right? So what they do is they bring your own phone, they copulate with that. And now you have perfectly fine a phone that is yours, that is managed uh, in certain way by the organization, right? So you have the separation of what is personal, what is enterprise, and mm -hmm. but you, if the phone is the same, is the hardware. Right now with this, you are abstracting the hardware. It's the dream come true for Windows. Is they always did that? since 45 years ago, 46 years ago, right? When they built Windows, right? Um, that they basically say that we don't care which hardware you're using. It's not like a Mac, I have to say, that you need to run the Mac hardware, okay? It's not tied to that. Yes, you get way more performance of a Mac because it's built for that specifically hardware. Sure, no issues. No one is talking about that here. What we're talking about is this abstraction layer that mm -hmm. now every single device in the world can connect to this. You just need an icon on your on your um, on your device to double click it. You sign in, right? Done. Whatever you're doing, whatever you are using, you are way more secure. You have a problem with that device in 30 seconds or even less. I can replace, like you're saying, and reprovisioning you back to work. So there is no excuse more. There is no more 
times, like you mentioned, with laptops, with all of this, and onboarding, offboarding, and all of that is done, right? It's 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 doing all of that, and that's why I, I I'm really excited about this because this is going to change completely the 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 landscape and our and our mindset of doing this. This is literally like they're saying on the website, optimized for simplicity and it is it's what we need and windows 11 that was announced a few weeks back right mm -hmm. it's it's driving all of this oh it's closed i don't care if it's if it's similar or not to mac uh, or if it's this or if they copy a b or c i don't care it because well, it's like the difference between Android and Apple phones, right? It's like they're very close. They're both really good. They're easy to use. Yes. It's just like, what do you like? Do you like vanilla or vanilla bean? That's how I always describe this, yeah, right? It's like, what's your color? It's red or blue? It's if if everyone choose yellow, poor blue guy, right? It's like it's man. You are you are right now. We are on the face. And this is the part that excites me the most is we are in the phase of not being attached to any particular vendor. Okay. I want performance. I want to be always on. I want to be there. I want to not having time because I don't have patience, right? To just going there and looking for the progress part of installing Windows. Man, we have tools that does that for that. I have at my house a WDS server because I'm I'm lazy to every single person comes over here. Oh, do you have a Windows 10? Sure. Plug on network done. I'm going and grab a coffee. I don't care. Why I should why I should plug why I should go there and installing Windows and going this and, and having Office and like you said, having different applications. Even if I'm doing imagine that you are on any place and we have we have a lot of we have our own tools i like and you me and like we like to use visual studio for coding right mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. even for for my blog posting i use visual studio because i use markdown okay for example all of that i don't use any more notepad i use visual studio every time they bring me a new machine even for a customer right our powershell commands everything it's there why do I need to bring everything? When this machine dies, okay, this this fairly new machine died that I paid thousands of dollars for that, why do I need to care about that? I don't. It's going to be perpetual. It's the only thing you need is to pay for it. And if you look at, at the side of it, like, like for us that every two or three years we are changing uh, hardware, we don't need anymore. What are we paying for the hardware? It's what we're going to pay for that, right? And it's a subscription base, uh, I'm assuming because it says that we will have it and it's going to be there forever. Forever. Without managing anymore. Because it's the excitement of getting the new hardware and be able to touch and all of that. Sure, I can have it. But now look at this. I can transform my life only traveling with an iPad that I can mm -hmm. use for movies or whatever it is that I want to use it as a personal. And having an icon over there, as simple as that, that I double-click it, connect to this 
world that is my work and done having all the tools available there it's magical it's like when i announce it i say say wow it's like when they bring the cloud services to our world that we say i was saying that's brilliant now i don't need to patch more hosts i don't need to take care of more the networking i don't need to live migrate the vms because i'm patching the hosts i don't need to take care about the the electricity uh, of the servers i don't need to to concentrate on all of those small tasks that it takes so much time and it was not worth it for us to spending time so now i can concentrate on being productive period simplicity it's what we wanted right yeah absolutely and the portability the simplicity and i think you know for um, when I think about, is it easy for our users to get at it? Um, like you said, double click the icon. If you can double click, you can now use remote desktop, right? Come on. It's like, <laughs> it, it, we can't, it's tough to make it more simple than that. <laughs> I gotta be honest. It is. It is to make it more simple than that. And, and, and that's the part that, that I'm really passionate about this and, and, not to go too much because we already went deviate too much on Windows the Windows 365 PC, but look at look at what they did with Azure uh, Virtual Desktop. Okay. Yeah. So it's an hybrid. So they announced this, delivered the secure hybrid workplace with v Azure Virtual Desktop and Windows 365, which makes totally sense. Okay. Totally sense because like like we mentioned, the 365 is SaaS solution, but if you want to bring that possibility into your enterprise with having more control on everything that you're doing you have the hybrid mode the hybrid workplace uh, of having the both worlds right the azure virtual desktop that is the old uh, windows virtual desktop but yeah. it's supported in the new windows 11 that's yeah. kind of that's kind of uh that's pretty assumption. important right because okay. yeah. uh, you know it we talk supported. a lot about always update uh, and stay current because it matters for support. But now on the product updates, okay, you have the start VM on, on the connect that you already have That's on Windows. Crazy. But like I love that feature because now it means that everything like especially when we think about Azure, right? Yeah. So it's always based on consumption. Yes, so if the VM is on, it's costing somebody money. Yeah. So uh, if it turns off after no use for four hours. The state is still saved. Yeah. When you open it up, your apps are still up on the screen. Yeah. It's just a fresh start. Power's back on. Completely. It's and, and you it's are not crazy. paying. And you are not paying. Right? Yeah. The other one is, look at that. ARM migration tool. It's like, what? Uh, what is this? ARM migration tool. So now I can migrate my, my, my VM, in this case, using mm -hmm. the ARM migration tool. And the second one, and, and the third bullet point of updates is new metadata location. This is a little bit more difficult to explain because right now the only possibility that you have it was US, okay, yeah. US East, and uh, it was another location that I do, do not remember right now. But this metadata is the portal that you have access, okay, to the Azure uh, uh, Virtual Desktop, so you can log in. So that metadata, it's where you have your portal. Usually you have only one location that was, I think, US East, if I'm not mistaken. 
now you are extending to Canada and to United Kingdom. So that means that yeah. your portal that you are connecting to, it can be on US, Canada, or United Kingdom. That's beautiful. But the part is now, and I leave to, 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 to the last, is the same experience of the remote, asp, the remote app streaming for new eyes, for new users, it's going to be the same. So with Azure Virtual Desktop that you don't have on 365, is instead of having your desktop, is the possibility of having your, your apps streaming. That is the big difference that you have with 360, Windows 365, Cloud PC, and the Azure Virtual Desktop is the possibility of having the both worlds, either your yeah. desktop or your, your apps. But the things that they are doing is the flexibility of using Cloud VDI, the platform, right? In any case, and using the Windows 365. Because I don't know about that, what they are doing, but I'm absolutely sure almost, or not absolutely sure, but I will be looking about the updates. Because yeah. if the Windows 365 Cloud PC is being managed and updated by Microsoft, man, can you imagine, like, not be able to patch any more Windows in this case, client. So this is the day we've dreamed about for quite quite a while. Twenty years. Um, I'm 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 on, I'm right? on this on this career for twenty something years, and I'm dreaming since that the first day I got yeah. into IT. We've always been fighting uh, so many ways. Like, how do we patch any way that we can? Is really the answer I always hear. Right? Yeah. I'm using PowerShell. I'm using a third party. I'm using SCCM. Uh, I'm using WSUS, uh, like any possible way to patch. That's how everybody's coped with that. Yeah. This takes that stress okay. away. I hope right? that that is coming, and I hope that this inside of the Windows at Cloud 365, uh, Windows 365 Cloud PC, I really hope, because it's not only the power of patch, it's like 99% of, or high 90%, of all the attacks being being done is between when the vendor release the the, the patch or announce the announce the vulnerability and the patch right and you apply that patch that is yeah. the window okay that high 90 percent of all the issues that we have with attackers hackers and everything yeah. else and virus will happen that is the window if we have that reduced to zero that is, they announce and they are patching all of those. We are reducing the possibility of our workloads to being attacked. Absolutely, we're really reducing the risk footprint. We're reducing, um, you know, like quite often, it's always like a, a Tuesday, Wednesday night after the patch Tuesday announcements. And then oh, you know that you're signed up for doing some evening work or maybe that weekend you're rebooting SQL servers or whatever that case is, yeah. right? But you have to get those patches applied and you have that, that small window of opportunity for the bad guys Absolutely. and they know that and they're smart and they're targeting us uh, very heavily during that first kind of delta period, right? Absolutely. So like potentially this Windows 365 can really, really change how organizations, big and small, because I want to emphasize that 
uh, first because the smallest company that I deal with has like seven licenses as a client, but they are a financial services company and they deal with a lot of other outside contractors and business locations in, you know, different financial uh, situations. So this gives a company like that the opportunity to scale by adding licenses to their 365 portal. Can you imagine? You're going to grow your company, grow the number of people that can work securely work, uh, I want to uh, say, with your company by adding SKUs to your 365 yeah, portal. Absolutely. Like that blows my mind. Completely. How many yeah, like times? This, this how is many such times, a huge thing. How many times a user comes to you or, or even a friend comes to you and you're looking at the. At, uh, so another day I had a friend say, oh, I have my computer is slow. I went, I went to his computer. He's having like Windows 17 or 3. And I oh say, and I say how, how in the world can you not come over here and press the update button? Oh, do I need to do that? Are you kidding me? Yeah, but so don't many you, people and don't And then I ask, do don't though, you update right? your iPhone? Yes, I do. Which version of, of the version of iPhone do you have? Or, or, or the version of OS. Oh, I have the latest one. So why cannot do the same one on your Windows? And now you're coming to me. But people think of it differently for some reason, right? They look at the like they look at their iPhone and they say, "Oh, it came up and asked me." But did Windows not come up and tell you too? It does. Yes, it did. It does. It does. But the the difference is it doesn't take over the whole screen and restrict everything. Yeah. And I I want to I want to address that because that's a regulatory compliance thing. Yeah. Do you remember like 10, 15 years ago, Windows did come up and stop you from working? Yeah. And there was lawsuits and stuff like that. Say, oh, they're forcing me to do updates. Yes. Well, yes, because when you're not forced, you very, you I want to say shamefully, yeah. you say, I'm not doing it, right? I wanted to use another uh, word with S-T-U in it, but I was like, no, let's not call names let's just say be you're being let's shameful be, let's be pg pg right? okay yeah we have is... we have to stay family friendly right exactly. so uh <laughs> but really uh i'm just saying you're gonna stew in it a little bit if you don't update stuff Absolutely. uh let's be honest so anyway long story short windows 365 pretty freaking cool it is uh yeah double so... check that I, I i highly recommend you guys do it i yeah, was i was static it. I, so, I, I even stop. I have to say this just to finalize this this part of <laughs> moving on is I I when I listen in this case to to Satya with that announcement and I see all of that I stopped. Uh, I went to a coffee. I went to a coffee. No, I went to grab a coffee. I went to outside. I went to my patio and I and I was thinking say, wow. After 20 something years, finally, uh, something arrived that makes our life and all our nightmares and, and the hours that I've been spending updating and all of, I really hope that that comes and doing this and making, and I was already thinking, oh, I don't need anymore to bring my, my uh, backpack because I don't need my laptop, my chargers all of that um it's like 
whoa, I just need an iPad and that's it and the keyboard and, and I don't need anything else. It's like, wow. It was like that. It was that m moment like kind of, you get a light, you know what I mean? You get the light on your Absolutely, head. Absolutely, like, I know you get exactly what you mean. And it says, <clears throat> what a change, right? Right. So, so once in a while, um, not too often, you know, we have these announcements that can really change the way that people connect, yeah. um, the way that people collaborate, the way that we consume compute services. So everybody has been uh, very, let's say, gung-ho about um, going to cloud for, what, a decade now? This is like the next big thing. It really is. Yeah. Um, this is very impactful and not just for administrators. And I want to say that also, I hope that no junior or intermediate administrator ever again has to sit and stare at that crazy little update thing. Oh you, I'm going to, let's, let's frame this. Exchange 2010 on Windows 2008 R2, the little blue bar for the service pack. It's going, it's going. And then a message box comes up. I hope nobody ever sees that again. <laughs> yeah. And I want to bury that in a hole somewhere. Absolutely. It's such a terrible thing. It's time it's time to move on because uh this is this is going yes, to be. Yes, let's a long do that. Episode. I have I have to and please excuse me, I apologize for my coughing and stuff. The smoke in the air from the forest fires yeah, uh, is nervous. really uh, hurting my throat today. I apologize. Yeah, it's okay. The next one is the Azure Automation Support for User Assignment Managed Entities is now in public preview. So this is one of the other cool updates that Azure released this, this week, uh, right? It's in preview. So the Azure Automation now supports uh, and going to be almost closely like we spoke over here on, on, the, on this episode with the integration of Azure AD, right? Yeah. Uh, on Application Insights. It's going more on that part as well. So now Azure Automation supports your user uh, assignment uh, or assigned managed entities for the cloud jobs like Azure Public, Azure Government, and China Cloud. So, which is huge, right? It's still in, in yeah. public preview, but it's really, really big, correct? It is, yeah. So it's going to really reduce... Um, the number of identities that we have to manage for our automation accounts because it was kind of a one-to-one -one, yeah. um, relationship before. So using managed identities, now the automations can share uh, one identity and uh, a much more efficient model, yeah. still very secure because it's a managed identity. So we can force password rotation and key change and all those things still. But now we can assign one identity to multiple automations. So yeah. much more efficient, reduces our workload, uh, maintains security, and in some cases it may increase security. security. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Although the, 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 what I like about this is Azure is imposing a limit of 2,000 roles assignments per Azure subscription. So yeah, I think that's, that has to be done. Yeah. Absolutely, because if you, don't, if you don't do this, and I was thinking that is... I'm thinking those big uh, subscription that we have and we're starting to do 
everything is it's is being using on the same uh, identity it's like uh, that's not gonna work really well um, well we don't want four thousand and in this case let's say we don't want two thousand things using one managed identity yes, yes absolutely. that's uh, probably the other end of the scale right so we think you know, we go from a one-to-one, one, we don't want to go all the way to the other end of the scale. Let's go somewhere in the middle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think the good sense will prevail over here no matter what, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So something exciting happened in Australia, I heard. Yes. So last but not least of update of this episode, this long episode, is the Azure VMware solution now generally available in Australia's Southeast region. So our good friends of the Australian, uh, our good friends, the, 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 our mates in Australia. Over there, down under, did you say? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's okay, my friend. It's been a long And episode. I also apologize to every Australian. <laughs> no, we have a lot of them, but we, we love them in, in this case. Um, the Australian Southeast with the existing Australian East provides a deployment for all of those customers with the two uh, AVSs sites uh, in the same, uh, let's say, uh, Azure Severity or Severity data sovereignty, whatever it's called, so on the same country, basically, mm -hmm. um, to be able to available. So congrats to our to our friends down on the south, um, on the other side of the world. Um, now you can deploy all the good things that AVS have uh, in this. And this is, this is GA, so it's not in preview. So you can right. use yeah. and abuse uh, on your on your best scenario, right? Yeah. So that's that's a cool one, right? Because when um, when uh, Azure VMware solution becomes GA in a region, it means that they've physically deployed those uh, ESX clusters, the hardware, into uh, more than one data center inside that region. Yeah. So uh, really well done. Um, continued growth. Uh, with Azure and especially in the Australian um, continent, all the regions uh, within Australia. So yeah, congratulations. Enjoy it. Try some lift and shift migrations now. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And with that, sadly, we come to the end of this amazing episode. Um, thank you, Andrew, for being part of this. Team Red, uh, as you guys can see it. Uh, it was not on purpose, I have to say. Um, but it's, it's the team red and, um, and don't forget to subscribe, um, uh, our channel so we can produce these even more. Um, let us know what we did good, what we did wrong. And uh, don't forget to smash that like button. Or if you don't want to smash the like button, uh, smash the ring bell. Uh, or if you don't want to run the ring bell, smash the unlike button. Um, but <laughs> share the love, share the aid, just share it. What we want to see it is what yeah, tell you, us all about it. All about all about that. We want to hear from you what you like it, what you don't like it. Uh, do you like or not to Windows 365 Cloud PC as we love it? Um, mm -hmm. So let's hear from you. 
Um, and thank you, Andrew, one more time for being here. And let's um, see you next week. Bye. Yeah.